Uh, hey, um, my name is Don Lee. I'm lead pastor here at First United Methodist Church in Denton. And um, so I was at the early service and Jonathan Perry was preaching, right? And I'm like sitting there thinking, oh darn, he's going to make me look bad. And, 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 but he's just amazing. I'm just so um, humbled by um, the power of his message and, and how, how clear he is about God's love and communicating that. And then, so I was sitting with uh, Jonathan and Crystal and we're planning this service. And I turned to Crystal and said, you know, her insights were just so incredible. I said, Crystal, if I had the authority, I would ordain you. She's that good. So uh, I just want you to know I am so honored to be able to speak to you, uh, you, the members, and I'm sure some guests here at Open Worship. Uh, several years ago, I felt God calling this church uh, to do something new, do something different, to start a new worshiping community. And I wanted something that I believe would be reflective of the diverse demographic of, of Denton County with its you know, arts and, and college communities. That was important to me. Um, and having worked with Jonathan in the past when I was over at First Louisville, uh, I knew he'd be the right person to make that happen. And he has, he and Crystal, uh, their, their visioning and their dreaming and all of your energy, because I know you all have helped to work with Jonathan to make this service a reality with Crystal to make this service a reality. And so um, as you approach your second birthday, right, that's, it's, it's coming up, um, I celebrate the gift of this community that it is to FUMC Denton. Thank you so much for being the worshiping community that you are, for letting me come and grace your presence, and uh, I feel uh, very, very deeply moved to be here. And I've been a little freaked out about coming here too, so just so you know, because um, I don't want to let you down. So um, it was important to me, um, and since coming to this church seven years ago, that this be a very increasingly diverse community, inclusive community. And so we started Hispanic worship, which is 25% of Denton is Hispanic. And we started the open worship community. And I think that that is something that will continue to define uh, this church is our inclusiveness and our, uh, our broad reach of all the people of Denton. You know, the, the vision statement of our church is to shine God's love into every life. We're actually going to live into that as best as we can. And, and so I want to thank you for being a part of this community, for making it happen, and um, know that I am, um, I am blessed to be with you this morning. So I want to talk about that word blessed, what it means. And, and why that matters, and how we can kind of reclaim uh, part of the, the sacred meaning of that word. And so the scripture I'm going to read you is actually from the Old Testament. It's from Numbers, chapter 6. I'm going to read you uh, the verses 22 through 27. And it may or may not be familiar to you, but we'll get there in a second. Okay. So it reads, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Uh, the Lent devotional booklets that we've been using as a church shared a story this last week about a it was the, the story of the first human who, when 
Adam saw the sun disappear before the horizon for the very first time, that Adam thought it would never reappear again, having never experienced a sunrise. And so spent the night grieving the loss of, of the warmth and the light of the sun. So imagine Adam's surprise and joy when the sun uh, rose again the next day through the darkness. And, and the word that comes to my mind is the word blessing. He was blessed. So um, some of you may be thinking, okay, isn't a blessing like what you, you're supposed to do over your Rooster's Roadhouse tacos? You know, <laughs> the best, right? Um, and perhaps, but the word bless or blessing really appears throughout this book constantly. And the early Hebrews used the word blessing to really indicate kind of a, you know, a sign of God's favor. And usually attaching it to some kind of happening, you know, a, a gift, unexpected gift or an opportunity or even an inheritance, right? And, and so blessings, in, in, particularly in the Old Testament, were contrasted with cursing. Okay, not cursing like you think of it, cursing. Like uh, the story of Balaam the prophet. Remember, you may know that story. Uh, Balaam is a prophet and a professional cursor who is hired by the king of, of Moab, Balak, to curse the Israelite army so they'll lose, only to have a talking donkey intervene. You know, I'm a donkey on edge. Okay, some of you have seen Shrek. So, and that's really in the Old Testament. Okay, so, uh, so one of the earliest stories of the Old Testament about blessing is the story of Jacob, who steals his older brother's birthright and blessing, um, something that was traditionally reserved for the firstborn of the family. Back then, spoken blessings were considered to have both spiritual and tangible um, uh, benefits. So this understanding of a blessing as something tangible was kind of reinforced by the theology of the day that good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Uh, reward versus punishment, blessing versus cursing or being cursed. A good harvest, the birth of a healthy baby, a time of relative peace in a community where it was interpreted as divine reward. And um, things like attacks, sickness, um, famine were interpreted as divine punishment. Uh, and if you read the Old Testament, you see that it's this kind of vicious cycle of, you know, Israel sins, and then God, they cry out to God for help, and God raises up a hero, someone to come save the day, and then there's a time of relative peace until the people sin again, and the cycle repeats itself. And in truth, what's really happening is people were sinning all the time, okay? They were just doing it all the time, uh, including, I, I mean, and, and you, you, we have to own it, there are 611 laws, 611 laws in the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, including uh, refusing to be circumcised and um, eating pork. Okay, so big no-no. So, um, and uh, it's really Jesus who then reveals a God who is not a God who, who curses sin and blesses righteousness, but a God who loves us unconditionally and, and relates to us through something called grace, which um, ironically is defined as God's unmerited favor. There's that word again, 
that God favors us. So for those early Jewish theologians, good suffering was a paradox. It didn't make sense. It didn't compute. I mean, ultimately, they would implicate the sufferer's guilt that somehow he or she did something to deserve this. Uh, kind of like Job in the Old Testament who uh, loses his children, he loses his business, he loses his savings, he loses his home, he loses his health, despite God bragging about how righteous Job is. You know, my man Job's sick. That's loosely translated from the Hebrew. Loosely translated. And yet he still ends up in an ash heap scraping swords on his body. While his spouse tells him, curse God and die. Yeah, love you too. (laughs) It takes some 40 chapters of the book of Job for him to realize that, that God isn't the one that is doing this to him. So perhaps the confusion comes from attaching too much meaning to the word blessed, you know, uh, writes author Jonathan Merritt. You know, instead of being an expression of expression of gratitude, I am so blessed, sometimes we attach to it some sense that we're entitled to it, that we earned it or we deserve it. Uh, but if it's a blessing and it comes from God, well, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. it, it it's, it's a gift. Um, and so by the time that Jesus then begins his public ministry, um, the word blessed takes on more of kind of a spiritual, less materialistic meaning. Uh, so, to quote Jonathan Merritt, a blessing is still a sign of God's special favor, but it refers now to, to kindness, for forgiveness, and peace. I, I grew up believing that I was not blessed, that I was cursed. In the 60s, yes, I'm that old. In the 60s, there was still a lot of prejudice against Japanese Americans uh, in the aftermath of World War II. Um, Bullied and excluded, I was ashamed of who I was, ashamed of my identity. In fact, I tried hard not to be a Jap, as I was called. And I failed miserably at it, go figure, right? And, and I honestly began to hate who I was and what I was. It, it's taken me a while to learn that you should never hate who you are because God made you that way. And I've spent the latter half of my life learning to love myself. And okay, and I'm still working on it. And I'm not talking about the kind of, you know, self-egotistical love that's often demonstrated in the political theater. Rather, I'm referring to the kind of self-love that recognizes that we are all beloved children of God, and we deserve to be treated that way. This kind of of self-love, it's biblical. How? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I've come to realize how hard it is to authentically love your neighbor when you don't like what you see in the mirror. Don't like that in you, we say. It reminds me of me. God loves me. God loves you. God loves us 
even the person who bullied me as a child. Though I hope God doesn't let them off too easy. <laughs> but people want us to live in shame because they think it makes them powerful. I think shaming other people makes you small. And it wasn't until I became a United Methodist that I learned that I was actually a person of sacred worth and that God calls me beloved. We are all of sacred worth to God. We are all worthy of God's love. You know, the blessed, the word blessed can imply that God does not favor, you know, for example, unprivileged people, kind of like Crystal mentioned. We might be surprised at who God favors. Uh, for example, in the reading, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. And, and the word there in the original language is makarios. It sounds a lot like makarena, okay, but not the same thing. <laughs> makarios, and it means blessed, and it can also be translated happy. Literally, Jesus is saying, God is deeply happy with you. And then Jesus goes on to list things like, you know, impoverishment, the, grie the hungry, the grieving, the hated, the excluded, the reviled, the defamed. I mean, these are, people wouldn't typically refer to these people as blessed, but as what? Cursed. Sounds like a hit list you don't want to be on. But Jesus then flips upside down this popular understanding of blessing. For Jesus, there is a special place. In, there is a special place in God's heart for those who fall on this list. And it really takes the right kind of eyes to see the world as God sees it. So what I want to do is I want to show you just a two-minute clip about a special young man and his dad who started a business together. Go ahead. You're a sock tycoon. Raccoon. Raccoon. Yeah, all that too. <laughs> What are you going to do when you're done with school? I just... And we were looking around at options. John didn't like the options he saw. And in fact, the options for people with different abilities are somewhat limited. So what do you tell me you wanted to do? I wanted a kid to I want to play with my father. I love, I love socks. I love crazy socks. It's fun. It's, it's colorful. It's fun. F-U-N, fun. <laughs> John had worn crazy socks his whole life. That was his thing. I just saw my sock to walk. With my, oh, a grizzlies. With my poop socks. What's our mission now? Spread the happiness. Everything we do is just designed to spread happiness. We've created a unified workplace where people with differing abilities and neurotypical people work side by side. We have no special formula, we have no special training, we have no unusual programs. All we're doing 
is giving people meaningful work. We believe we are now the world's largest sock store in terms of choice. We carry other people's socks. We now have over 20 different suppliers. Then there are socks that we design and make, our awareness socks, our charity socks. I was so blown away by uh, John's story that I actually gave him some of my business. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you asked John if he was blessed, I think he would reply, yes, adding, don't forget to buy some of my crazy socks. You know he would say that, right? God is deeply happy with you. God is deeply happy with you. And when our eyes are open to the reality of God's kingdom of love and grace that is breaking in all around us, you might realize that God is blessing you right now, even without your knowledge, even without your cooperation. Or as Crystal so wonderfully put it to me, God is happy with you even when you suck. I did not take that personally one bit, so... When my uh, children were still at home, we had a tradition that as they would leave for school that I would put my arms around them and I would bless them. And the words to that blessing I would speak over them were, Clary, Chris, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. To be honest, I really don't know what that did for them, but believe me, it did a world of good for me to do it. And I was thinking about that, and I had one of those, you know, aha moments, that perhaps God blesses us because it does a world of good for God to do it. It does a world of, of good for God to hold us in this divine embrace and then to say to us, I'm so proud of you. Now go have some fun. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I believe we are all blessed in some way, in some way. I mean, I know it can be kind of hard to recognize it, but that's actually true in your life, especially when others treat you the other way, as if you're cursed. You have to work at finding the blessing that is there for you in that moment. But if, if this book is correct and claiming that all good gifts come from God, then if you have someone in your life who loves you, you are blessed. And because you are loved by the one whom our tombs could not hold, and who will not let us go, you are most certainly blessed. Uh, according to the priestly blessing, the ultimate goal of God's blessing is shalom. And the rough translation of that word is peace. Now, shalom is, is more than just the absence of conflict. 
it really speaks to well-being, both within us, but also within the community that we live in, our relationships with other people. For example, it's possible to be at peace within, even as conflict rages around you. And let me tell you, I have a grandchild. I know it's, it's just chaos all the time. It's been my experience that the more I trust God for the now, um, the more I'm able to find peace within myself, especially in times of conflict. Um, And secondly, this understanding of shalom or peace within and within the larger community suggests that we are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, The priestly blessing is supposed to be spoken and not just heard. We give it away. We don't just receive it. Uh, Years ago, I was at a a Sikh camp. Um, Sikh is a a camp for special needs. They have a camp for children, youth, and adults. And um, they host this. The United Methodist Church hosts these camps every summer. So if you want to just Google S-E-E-K-U-M-C, you'll find how you can volunteer and be a part of that experience. Well, I was assigned um, a camper this one uh, summer that I was asked to volunteer. And uh, Andrew uh, had Down syndrome. Now, sometimes I think we think of Down syndrome as being kind of gentle and yielding. This was not Andrew at all. I mean, Andrew was in that, he was in the habit of, of getting in my face and trying to egg me to fight with him. It was the weirdest thing. And, and, and he had this muscular frame to kind of back it up. And, I mean, can you see the headlines? Um, Methodist pastor arrested after brawl with special needs child, you know. Not good PR. So, late one night, uh, Andrew spontaneously decided that he was going to go down to the lake in the dark and take a walk. And so, I went with him, and I spent my time trying to redirect him back to the safety of the cabin, to which Andrew responded repeatedly with a defiant, make me. You might as well said make my day. So, um, and I remember, I, on a, I remember thinking to myself, Lord, I'm not equipped for this sort of thing. And had it not been um, for the encouragement of the camp director, Andrew, Andy Stoker, um, I might have given up. But I'm really glad I didn't because I would have missed the blessing. The last night of Sikh, it's a tradition at that camp to always close with a dance. And if you want a glimpse of heaven, watch 30 to 40 special needs teens break out into dancing at the same time. Well, as the music slowed, I felt a tap on my shoulder and I turned around and it was Andrew. He was asking me for a dance. And as Brian Adams crooned, it isn't so hard to see we're in heaven. (laughs) Andrew and I slow danced together. Andrew was blessing me. Just as I had blessed my children when I'd sent them off to school, I put my arms around them. He was blessing me. Whether it's a beautiful sunrise or the embrace of your child or maybe a slow dance with a special needs team, God is deeply happy with you. God is deeply happy with us even when I suck. And I am blessed. We all are. We just need to open our eyes. Will you pray with me?
God, open our eyes to see the beauty of your grace and the blessing that is waiting there for us in every moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.